<laughs> Willow, so good to see you. Hallelujah. Praise God. For those of you um, who don't know who I am, I was the guy that used to come uh, as much as Megan Fate Marshman. Um, and then she got greedy and took up all the dates. So I just come whenever I can. Thanks, Megan. Um, I really appreciate it. Now, Megan is a blessing. Um, and I'm so thankful for her. Um, but she took up all my time. Um, <laughs> I just need to mess with her because I heard she messed with me last week. Um, I am excited to continue in our series, uh, Life Hacks. Um, first of all, that was the most godly inspiring video I've never seen. Um, but I love the creative team. Can you give it up for the creative team that comes up with all this stuff? Oh my goodness. And as Sean was talking about, you know, it takes an army to pull, to pull this off. There are people in the back, there are people on this side, there are people coming early, there are people staying late to make all of this happen. So can we just take 30 seconds and thank God for all the volunteers, all the service people that are just leading in different places. Such a gift, such a gift. If you have your Bibles, meet me in Proverbs 11. Uh, hold your finger there. Uh, we're going to start there in Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, and then we're going to jump to Luke uh, 18. So we'll start Proverbs um, 11, 24 and 25, and then we're going to jump to Luke, 20, uh, to Luke 18. Um, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person, somebody say a generous person. Generous person. Oh, come on, that's y'all whispered. Did y'all become Presbyterian since I left? What happened? <laughs> no, nothing wrong with Presbyterian people. Some of my best friends are Presbyterian. Um, but, but, but let's try this again. A generous person. A generous there person. we go. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Uh, Luke 18. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Uh, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not false, uh, give false testimony. Uh, honor uh, your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, is it easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this great church. Uh, thank you for the great work that's happening here. Um, thank you for the flood of volunteers, uh, the new families that are coming. Um, most importantly, God, we just thank you for your presence. Uh, it is the power of your presence that brings about transformed lives. So, Father, would you speak, O oh Lord? 
your children have gathered to listen today. Would you tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly? Turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us. God, it's to that end that I ask now that you would stand in my body, think with my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. There were two guys, one uh, had a small plane that he liked to fly around and he grabbed his friend and he said, hey, let's go for a little trip. Uh, And they go for a little trip, but in the middle of the trip, they have mechanical uh, uh, challenges and they have to do a forced emergency landing. And it's it's this little obscure island in the middle of nowhere that they're forced to kind of land on. They do this crash landing um, and they're safe, but the plane is done. They can't do anything about it. And, and the passenger uh, is just frantic. He, he is frantic. He is, he's, their, their cell phones aren't working. They're having issues uh, communicating. And so he's, he's out trying to, you know, he's trying to get logs to put a big sign, help, uh, SOS. He's trying to get it all. But the but the pilot of the plane, the guy who invited him, is completely chill. I'm sorry, completely chill. Uh, fully relaxed in a way that allows him not to be with anxiety or pressure. He, uh, he, he's fully chill. I mean, he is relaxed. And the guy's like, how can you be so relaxed? What's going on? And he's trying, he says, hey, 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 listen. I, I know this is, this is awkward for a person to say, but I'm pretty wealthy. Um, and... <laughs> I, I love Jesus, and I go to church, and I tithe every week at my church. My pastor will find me. <laughs> you ain't got to worry. Pastor is going to find us. We going to be all right. <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about generosity. Um, I want to talk about giving, um, but, it's, but it's way less, and I, and I know you know this, but, but it's not about what you give as much as it, as it is how you give. Um, uh, there, there's a line in here, and, and people with great wealth, it's, it's not to damn people that have money and to just condemn them. No, 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 no. He's just saying, in this camel going through the eye of a needle, it's like, ouch. But I remember studying that in Bible college, and one preacher said it this way. It's not that the camel can't go through the eye of the needle. It's that on the other side, the camel's going to be real different. <laughs> it's, it's not that people with money can't get into heaven. Come on, we know it's not that. I think what he's pushing us to is that if you're going to be generous, it's going to be sacrificial. And on the other side of generosity, you're going to look real different. I think he's pointing us to this idea of transformation. Um, giving doesn't come from the hands. Giving has to come from the heart first. You give in your heart. You, you, you give in your heart way before you give in your hands. So it's this idea of are you willing to be transformed into a generous person? Are you willing to be transformed into one 
that gives what they have with joy. So it's not even just giving it, but it's how you give it. It's how you give. The hard thing, it's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. Some of us, we get so fixated on the numbers and the amounts and all that. It's, it's really about your heart. So we, we back up. So we're not even going to talk about money. Let's talk about the heart that it comes from. Because if this heart isn't transformed, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I, my, my son is four years old, and we want him to be uh, generous. We want him to be a kind person. We want him to be a sharer. So he, he's got this little bus, this little bus, and it sings and does the ABCs, and he loves his bus. Well, imagine there's another kid there. <clears throat> we will be inclined to say, okay, Micah, uh, she wants to play with the bus now, so, so share. Give her the bus. Share, share, share. Give her, let her use the bus. Let her, let her play with the bus. And, and he doesn't want to. And after much convincing, and, and uh, what if he just takes the bus and just says, all right, here, and throw it and bust her in the head with it? Am I going to say, good job, Michael, way to share, buddy? No, I'm not going to bless that. Why? He's going to be like, Dad, I shared. I did what you said. No, but you didn't do it how you were supposed to do it. Some of us, you'll give. We got to got to sing and dance and do a video with that sad song on it, like the dog commercial, y'all know that? In the eyes of a hand, okay, I'll give here. Is it? Like, come on. God's after your heart. Nobody should have to beg for you to give to him what belongs to him. So God is after the heart. The rich young ruler in our passage, oh, it's one of the few passages. You, you go, every time you see Jesus and Jesus interacts with somebody, they leave with joy. Sometimes they leave with a limb being restored. Sometimes, they, sometimes there's one time they left <clears throat> with, with, with two fish and five loaves of bread. They left with a two-piece dinner one time. Uh, it was another time they went to a wedding. They left with a gallon of good wine. Uh, like, like, like if you encounter Jesus, you just leave better. You leave with more. You leave with joy. But there are a few moments in Scripture when people encounter Jesus and in this particular case, he leaves sad? Like, what does it mean to encounter Jesus, to engage with him, to have him speak over you, and you walk away sad? I almost want to title this sermon, How, How Not to Walk Away from Jesus Sad but that's way too long and it'll freak out the social media team. Um, <clears throat> but it really is, how, how did his wealth and his possessions bring him to a place to he encountered the savior of the world and he was still sad? The three areas that I want to point out in the rich young ruler's life that might help us to never have to walk away from Jesus sad because of what we have. My, my hope and prayer is that we, we never have to walk away from Jesus sad because of what we have. His first problem was his identity problem. Listen to how we describe him. 
rich, young ruler. Every description is temporal. Every description will fade away. Every description will not make it towards past eternity. How are you identifying yourself? Have you labeled yourself with temporal identities? You are not what you do. You are not what you've done. You are not your greatest failure. And check this, you are not your greatest success. Your identity is not tied to the things of this world. Your core identity is tied to the creator of all things. The creator of all things. Growing up in Pearl, Mississippi, uh, my family was a big family in our small towns. We had a small town, really big family. Uh, my mother grew up there. Her parents grew up there. Her, great, her, her grandparents grew up there. So that would be my great-great-grandparents great and even my great-great-grandparents. They all lived there in that community, and they were known in that community. We all grew up in the same church. My great-grandmother started our church. She founded our church. The name of our church, check this out, is the name of our church was Sweet Home Church of Christ Holiness USA. Um, I, I don't know what the USA was about, not to get us confused with the, with the, with the Canada branch, maybe. I don't know. Um, but, but we grew up there in our little sweet, small town. My mother was a musician. Uh, my, my grandfather uh, was a pastor. His father was an elder in the community. Like, we, we grew up there. So everybody knew my mama, Connie. And whenever I came up, whenever I was around, everybody knew me as not Albert Tate. I didn't realize my name was Albert Tate until I was 16. Um, my whole life, I was just called Connie's boy, Connie's boy. My two older sisters grew up, we all went through the same Pearl Public Schools. So I get, I'd be walking around the grocery store and say, hey boy, I know you, you Connie's boy. I went to school with your mama, boy, I've been knowing you your whole life, you Connie's boy. I go to class, hey, good to have you in my class. I had your other sister, I had your sister, I had your auntie, you Connie's boy. I know who you are, you Connie's boy. Hey, I see you at the restaurant, you looking just like Connie. You Connie's boy, I can tell, I ain't even gotta ask you. Look at you, you just got Connie all over you. She just spits you out. Connie's boy. That's Connie's boy. I never forget getting in class and turning in my first paper. My teacher said, you Connie's boy? <laughs> you hear the question? I, I, I guess inevitably, regardless of what I did or regardless of what I would do, I was tied to the one who made me. I was tied to my creator. If you, if you get it early, uh, I, I won't have to preach as long. Um, <laughs> What, what the rich young ruler failed to understand is that his identity is anchored and tied to his creator. Who your creator says you are is who you are. You are beloved. You are chosen. You are marked with purpose. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are who he says you are. If you're... If you're in here today and you're holding on to any other identity, I encourage you, let it go. You will never walk in your full purpose unless you know fully who you are. I'm going to say that again. You'll never walk in your full purpose unless you know who you really are. And at the end of the day, you are his. You're his. Not only are you his, but watch this. All that you have is his. It all belongs to God, from your name, to your identity, to your possessions. It all belongs to God. It's a big difference between someone who owns 
in someone who leases. God is the owner. He allows us to lease. And we are grateful for the invitation that he gives us. But he's the owner. So I think one of the fundamental issues that we got to navigate as we go into this idea of generosity is you got to acknowledge it's not mine. It's all his. It's not mine. It's all his. And because it belongs to him, I do with it all according to his will. Just turn around and tell three people, it's not mine, it's his. Tell them, tell them, tell them. I don't think they can hear you. Y'all whispering. Y'all got a whisper ministry going on in here. It's not mine, it's his. It's not mine, it's his. It's not mine, it's his. He, he, he missed his identity, but he also missed an invitation. He missed a big invitation. God says, all right, you follow all these things, you've done all this, one thing you lack. Let me help you out. Um, get rid of all that you have and then come follow me. He gets stuck on the get rid of all you have. He doesn't even realize God just gave him the greatest invitation to experience one of the greatest things he could ever imagine. He just got invited by Jesus Christ, the would-be savior of the world, to come follow me. He missed the invitation. He didn't even hear that part. He didn't even hear it. All he heard was, I got to give up. I got to sell all my, I can't have this. I got to get rid of... He was so focused on what he was holding in his hands, he missed the invitation to take the very hands of Jesus and to follow him. Be careful not to miss the greater invitation that's on the other side of the sacrifice. All we hear is this sacrifice, but you can't hear the invitation that's on the other side of it. The opportunity to walk with God in a unique, divine way that's on the other side of it. Growing up in Pearl, Mississippi, I grew up, um, we, uh, we didn't have a whole lot, uh, and we grew up in a trailer, a mobile home. And I'll never forget when we upgraded, and we got a double-wide trailer. So a double-wide was a big deal. That means it was double the width of what it was before. It was, Double wide. Uh, so, 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 but we also lived by the uh, uh, Jackson Municipal uh, International Airport uh, just, just a couple of miles up the street. So planes would take off all the time right by our house, taking off and landing all the time. And, you know, and we got that double wide trailer, so a big 747 come, our whole trailer, <laughs> like we would, we would feel it and hear it. Like it was a big deal. It was a big deal. But we lived there. We heard it all the time. So it got to the point where we didn't even hear it. We'd be sitting around just having coffee, just enjoying ourselves. Pass the cream, please. Okay. You know, it's nothing. Only time we would realize it was when we had company over for the first time. Because we just sitting there chilling and they're like, Oh, what is like they they think we are being bombed or something, you know what I mean? Like a like a like a Chinese uh, a weather balloon has just launched down and was about to kill us. Is it too soon? Too soon? My bad, too soon, too soon. Um so so they be sitting there like, what is that? And we're like, oh girl, there's a 747. You know what I mean? Just passing by. We had gotten so comfortable we couldn't even hear the 747 literally shaking our house. We couldn't even pay attention to it. That's what I fear about the rich young ruler. 
He had gotten so comfortable with his own possessions, so comfortable with his own stuff, he couldn't even feel the 747 of Jesus' compassion trying to break into his life and invite him to something greater. He couldn't feel the 747 of Jesus' love inviting him to a new way to live. He couldn't even hear the 747 bringing him and begging him to come to a way of new life. He didn't even hear it. His possessions were so loud. It's not about having money. It's about your money having you. He couldn't hear the opportunity because the volume of his possessions were so loud. God is inviting you. Don't get stuck at the sacrifice. Don't get stuck at the task of what it'll take. Work through that to the other side to see the glory that God wants to reveal in a life that's given to generosity. Amen? Amen. The, other, the other thing that happens, his, his identity, he misses this greater invitation, he gets stuck in a sacrifice. And then the text says it. He says he was, he was sad because he had great wealth. And he knew he wasn't going to do it. I don't want to beat up on this guy too bad. Because if I'm honest, I know what it's like to have Jesus ask for something and me not want to give it up. I know what it's like to struggle with having God call you to take a big leap of faith on something, and you're just scared. You're just scared. Sometimes God is calling us to make sacrifice with our time, with our talent, or our treasure. And it's scary. I'm sure he's looking at this and saying, sell all, sell all I have. It's fearful. It's scary. But take the step anyway. Why? Because he's trustworthy. Sometimes you got to believe God while you're still doubting God. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but sometimes you got to believe him while you're doubting him. You got to do it. But as a matter of fact, it's a passage in the scripture in the Gospels where Jesus walks up on a man and he's got a son who's demon possessed. And Jesus is talking to the, to the, to the father and says, says I, can he, I can heal him. Do you believe? And the guy says, I believe. But could you help my unbelief? Wait a minute, you just said you believed. And then he was like, yeah, but I don't believe. He, he's saying, yeah, I believe. But I also seen a lot. I've also gone through a lot. So I still got doubts. Can I follow you, Jesus, with belief and doubts? I got, I got a big belief, but I got a little doubt. Can I bring both and still come to you? Jesus says, come on. Come on. The rich rich young, young ruler didn't even take that posture. He didn't say, okay, Jesus, I'll do it, but whew, it's going to be hard. Can you help me? No, he just says, and he takes his possessions, and the text implies that he walks away from Jesus sad when he could have walked with Jesus, fulfilled. 
guess you got to understand, if you're really going to live like it all belongs to him, you got to trust that he's your source. He's your sustainer. The place that writes you your check is only your resource. Jesus is your source because some of you know what it's like not to have a place writing you a check, but you're still paying your bills because God is your provider. You know what that's like. I guess you need to understand that your creator is in fact your sustainer. And God will sustain you as you seek to sacrificially live a generous life for his glory. Your creator will be your sustainer. Elgin Staples was his name. Uh, young soldier uh, on a ship took on enemy fire and due to the explosion, his legs were severely injured. Um, the ship was wrecked. He was blown out into the sea and was there unable to swim, unable to kick and hold himself up because of the injury caused by his legs. Thanks be to God, he had on a life belt. And this life belt would sustain him for what would be six hours in the water waiting for rescue. Um, while he was waiting to be rescued for six hours, he's just in the water, just looking. And he notices, because he's just idle, there's a sequence of numbers on the belt. And he's just looking at these numbers, looking, waiting to be rescued, looking at these numbers, waiting to be rescued. After six hours, he would be rescued. They um, got him the care he needed. And the first chance he got, he went home to Ohio. There, seeing his mom for the first time. They settled in the living room, and he's telling his mom as she worked at Firestone Plantation. Uh, and that was a factory that made these life belts. He's telling his mom the story and he says, mom, this is the weirdest thing. I'm out there for six hours. So I just got fixated on these numbers. Uh, there's this sequence of numbers on the belt. Mom, what, what do those numbers mean? What does mom, she's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was for accountability. He says, mom, what do you mean? He says, yeah, yeah. Every employee at the Firestone uh, factory was assigned a number uh, when they made the belt. Um, and each belt then had the employee number on the belt so that if anything ever went bad or if it malfunctioned, they would be able to trace it back to the employer, the, the employee that made the belt. And then she says, do you happen to remember what the number was? He says, oh yeah, I never forget those numbers. I looked at them all the time. And he said what the numbers were. And his mother said, with a tear in the corner of her eyes, he, she said, say, say that number again? And he spouted out the number. And then she couldn't hold back. Tears flooding her face. She said, that was my number. I made that life belt. Friends, how ironic. The one that created him is the same one that sustained him. 
I want you to know the one who created you will be the same one to sustain you. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. For his glory. Amen.